listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today's scripture reading from Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 23. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets. Let them be for yourself alone and not for the sharing with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely dear, a graceful doe. May her breast satisfy you at all times. May you be intoxicated always by her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, by another woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For human ways are under the eyes of the Lord, and he examines all their paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare them, and they are caught in the coils of their sin. They die for lack of discipline, and because of their great folly, they are lost. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Thomas, for that reading. <clears throat> there we go. How's that? All right. We're going to see how well I can point a microphone directly at my mouth, since that's the only way this will work. Ah, this is going to be fun, you guys. So, um, <clears throat> I feel like I should lead off with a joke now that I'm holding this, but I won't. Um, it's been a few weeks, you guys. Oh, no. This is like... Is this work? Okay, it is working. The top of this comes off. I don't know. Um, it's been a few weeks. Uh, we had the kids' Christmas play last week, which was an absolute blast. That was so much fun, uh, but no sermon. Um, and then the week before that, Pastor Alicia preached. She did a fantastic job, by the way. Let's hear it for Pastor Alicia. And she's not here. Um, but that's two Sundays in a row that I didn't have to preach, which means that the last two weeks were the most productive weeks of my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you would not believe how much you can get done when you don't have to write a speech. It's amazing. Um, it's going to be back in the pulpit, though, uh, and we've got a pretty fun one today, as you could tell by that reading. Um, we're still in Proverbs. We've got two more weeks to go in this book, including today, so we're almost done. Uh, and we've been working through some of the big themes that come up over and over again in the book of Proverbs. In fact, we've looked at the three most common themes in Proverbs. Uh, a few weeks back, I talked about money, the wisdom of this book around wealth. Then a couple weeks ago, um, Pastor Alicia preached on wise words, wise speech, how we talk to each other and use our words. Uh, and today we're covering the third most frequent topic in Proverbs, romantic love, loving wisely. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about Marriage, sex, relationships, fidelity, adultery, intimacy, way more than we can cover in a single sermon. Um, but before we get into any of this, we've got to talk one more time about the patriarchy in this book. There's some things we need to say up front. Um, we've talked about this some before, so this has come up. Um, but especially when it comes to sex and relationships in the book of Proverbs, there's a lot of patriarchy on this book, in this book. There's no, there's no way around it. This is an old book. Uh, there's some stuff in here that is going to make us cringe. Uh, to show you all where I'm coming from on this, uh, kind of where my heart's at, uh, this is a picture of a Christmas card that I found online a couple weeks ago. 
It says, all I want for Christmas is to smash the patriarchy, which is amazing. Um, way better than season's greetings, I think. Um, I also found this Christmas sweater uh, this past week that says, slay the patriarchy. How metal is that? Um, by the way, anyone looking for a last-minute Christmas gift for me, um, I'm, I'm a men's size extra large. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <clears throat> But so this, this is where I'm coming from, and if you are sensitive to sexist, chauvinistic, patriarchal-type stuff, uh, Proverbs can be a challenge. I've already heard from a number of you uh, who are trying to read through this book, and you've expressed some concerns. Um, concerns over lines like this one. Let's just get into it. Uh, Proverbs 11.22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without sense. Like, what the heck, Solomon? Right? Like, not, not okay. We, we had guys game night last, uh, last night. A bunch of us uh, get together once a month to play cards here at church. Um, if, if one of the guys had started dropping lines like this, they would have been asked to leave. Right? Like, that is, that is not okay. Um, let me see. I'm going to tell you what I do when I encounter this kind of stuff in Proverbs, personally. It might help. Full disclosure, it might not, um, but this is what I do. Whenever I come across a line like this, something that sounds uh, sexist, patriarchal backwards, I try switching the genders to see how it lands. Especially with something like Proverbs. You know, Proverbs are supposed to be these widely applicable bits of wisdom, so it should work either way. Um, in this example, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful man without sense. It still kind of works, doesn't it? It lands. You, you get the idea. Um, I've known a number of beautiful men without sense. Uh, with a little diet and exercise, I hope to be one someday. Uh, now, now we got the mic. Um, no, but like, I, know, I know a bunch of people who fit this description, male, female, and otherwise. We've got good looks. They're beautiful, but maybe not as much going on up here. That's what this is kind of getting at. Not a great way to go through life, just generally. You've also got a line like this one, uh, Proverbs 21.9. <laughs> Better to live on the edge of a roof than with a contentious husband in a large house. I already swapped the genders on this one. Um, <laughs> but you get, you get the idea, right? Even on a snowy day like today, you'd rather sleep out on a roof than with, let's drop the, the gender, a contentious spouse in a large house. That's what I do to get, away, get around some of this patriarchal stuff in Proverbs. If that works for you, if that helps you make it through this book and still glean some of the wisdom, then outstanding. Go for it. Do it. If not, if you find yourself reading Proverbs and it's just too much, you find yourself being like, I, I cannot do this, that is Okay. Maybe Proverbs is a book that you don't need to read at this point in your journey. Uh, good news is there are 65 other books in the Bible to choose from, and none of them have anything problematic. <laughs> no. <clears throat> read the Gospels. I don't know. Um, let's talk about Proverbs uh, and what it has to say about loving wisely. Is this still working? I'm coming through all right? Good. The passage Thomas read for us um, captures a lot of the big themes here. 
I remember a few months ago, I was prepping for this series, and I read through the book of Proverbs a couple times to kind of get in the zone. And I can remember distinctly the first time I read this passage in Proverbs 5. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Okay, so don't steal water, maybe? I I think I get it. Not super applicable to me, but it's an agrarian culture, so it probably made sense. Should your springs be scattered abroad? Streams of water in the streets? Huh? Let them be for yourself alone and not for sharing with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. And that's when I was like, oh, I get it now. They're talking about sex. Ew. (laughs) Like... This is a metaphor that's kind of on the nose. You, you don't, don't think too much about it. Don't, don't visualize it, whatever you do. Um, when we're talking about the big picture themes around romantic love in Proverbs, they all show up in this, in this passage in some kind of way. The first one, just broadly, is to choose your romantic partners wisely. Choose your romantic partners wisely. That's big theme number one. Um, And that's how I'm phrasing it. In Proverbs, though, full disclosure, this generally takes the form of warnings to avoid immoral women. Um, Let's look at a couple examples of this. Patriarchy incoming, so just brace yourself. Um, But here's one. This This is from our passage. Why should you be intoxicated, my son? Remember the the context of Proverbs. This was the idea of a, a, a father talking to a son. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, by another woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? This other one from uh, Proverbs 23. <clears throat> a prostitute is a deep pit. An adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber and increases the number of the faithless. Uh, from Proverbs 12. A good wife is the crown of her husband, or her wife, I might add. Um, But she who brings shame is like a rot in his bones. And from Proverbs 2, wisdom will save you from the cheating husband, from the adulterer with his smooth words who forsakes the partner of his youth and forgets his sacred covenant. And yes, I swapped the genders on that last one. Hopefully you kind of get the idea. This is just a sample. This stuff runs throughout the book. Don't have sex with immoral people. That's, that's basically the core of what they're saying. Don't unite your body and your heart with someone who's not going to honor either one of those things. And I know with these verses, a lot of us are going to rightly roll our eyes at the the tired, toxic trope of an immoral woman who causes an otherwise righteous man to fall. But again, if we want to retain the wisdom at the heart of this book, we've got to read around that stuff somehow. And if we do, I think the core message here is choose your romantic partners wisely. Don't give your heart to someone who's going to break it. Don't invest your time, don't invest your energy, don't invest your life in someone who's not worth the investment. Single people in here, hear me on this one. Uh, young people in here, which they're all gone to children's church now anyway. Well, there's, there's, there's actually one or two young people. Hear me on this one. Anytime you choose to be intimate with someone, um, anytime you invest in a relationship, anytime you have sex with someone, 
there is the potential that you could end up stuck with that person for the rest of your life, potentially. Make sure they're worth the investment. You might have a list of all the things you look for in a potential romantic partner, right? Um, they've got to be a certain height. They've got to like a certain type of movie. They've got to play an instrument. They've got to be sensitive. Whatever, whatever. Like these, these lists go on and on. Moral character should be at the top of that list. And as far as Proverbs is concerned, it's the only one that ultimately matters. I don't care how many other boxes someone checks for you. Are they trustworthy? Is this an honest person? Is this someone you can trust? I don't care how good-looking someone is or what a perfect fit they seem to be or if they're your soulmate, whatever that means. (laughs) Do they treat their friends and family well? Are they kind? Do they have the same values as you? Are they followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus? Do they use their words wisely? Do they use their money wisely? Is this someone you actually would want to spend your life with? If not, then why are you wasting your time on them? Be careful who you choose to be intimate with. Be careful who you allow in to that part of your life. Choose your romantic partners wisely. That's big picture theme number one. Um, A second theme is to be faithful to your spouse. I'm going to return to our passage on this one, the passage from this morning. I warned Thomas about this one, actually. (laughs) Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. May her breast satisfy you at all times. May you be intoxicated always by her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, by another woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Very explicit words about sex here. Like The, the Bible does not tiptoe around this stuff. Uh, and if this makes you co- uncomfortable, wait till we get to Song of Songs in a few months. That's going to be... That's going to be fun for me. Um, and again, we've got, we've got patriarchal language here, patriarchal assumptions, language is not going to be, uh, that we're probably not going to track with on certain points. But I think the core message behind that is a good one. Be faithful to your spouse. Don't commit adultery. Pretty basic. It's like one of the Ten Commandments, I'm pretty sure. Um, When the Bible talks about sex and relationships, one of the biggest themes we see over and over again is faithfulness. Honor that commitment you made to your spouse. Don't cheat. Don't violate that covenant. We find this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It even works its way into the Christmas story, you guys. Um, In the Christmas story, in Matthew's version of it, we get this little line, it's in Matthew 1, um, about how when Joseph finds out that his bride-to-be Mary is already pregnant and they haven't had sex yet, we get this little line about Joseph planning to divorce her quietly so as not to expose her to public disgrace. We usually skip over that line because there's kids in here, generally, when we read this. Um, But the assumption here is that Mary's been unfaithful. She hasn't. She hasn't been. Um, Luckily, an angel shows up to set Joseph straight. It's always nice when that happens. Um, But this theme of faithfulness to our spouses runs throughout both Testaments. Jesus speaks to this. Jesus ups the ante and tells us 
that we shouldn't even lust after someone other than our own spouse. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. A little extreme, <laughs> but at least he's being proactive, right? I mean, he ups, ups the ante. Often when we talk about sexual ethics, uh, whether in culture or in the church, our emphasis is usually on what we're not supposed to do, right? All the thou shalt nots. What are the boundaries? What's off limits? How far is too far? Um, I did youth ministry for a number of years, many moons ago, um, and these were always the questions that would come up with like the middle school and high school kids. How far can I go with my girlfriend or boyfriend? What's off limits? Then I started doing ministry with grown-ups, and I found out that a lot of you are asking the exact same questions. Not, not a whole lot changes. Um, I once had a kid in the youth group at a previous church who thought he was being clever. Uh, he thought he had found a loophole. Uh, I don't know if he Googled this or what, but he pointed out that the Bible doesn't really have much to say about sex before marriage. And that's actually pretty accurate. Sex before marriage does not come up very often in the Bible. When the Bible discusses sex, the emphasis is on fidelity to your spouse. And I do want to emphasize the spouse part there. The assumption in Bible times back then in that culture was that once you had sex, you were married, essentially. Remember, we're talking about a culture that married people off as soon as they hit puberty. Like once you were able, physically able to procreate, you were married. Kind of takes premarital sex out of the equation, almost. So, sorry, my watch thinks I'm talking to it. All that to say, I don't know why. I don't know what that means. All that to say, sorry kids, no loophole. Um, I think we often assume that there's only two options when it comes to sex and sexual ethics, two boxes you can be in. Um, you either hold to a very, you know, quote-unquote traditional sex ethic, which is usually super repressed, very patriarchal, um, abstinence-only, heteronormative, right? It's either that um, or it's anything goes. Those are the two options we're often kind of presented with in our culture. Neither of those options are great options, in my opinion, because they both are based entirely on boundaries. What's all right? What's not all right? It's either off limits, like everything's off limits, or nothing is. What if instead of emphasizing all the stuff we don't believe in, all the things we're not supposed to do, what if we built a sex ethic around what we do believe in? Personally, I believe in marriage, big supporter of marriage. Um, by most people's standards, I'm a prude. Um, I'm a progressive prude, but I'm still a prude. Um, I think sex belongs in marriage, personally. I think that's the context where sex is the safest. I think that's where it's the healthiest. Um, I think that's where it can be the most satisfying. Not in all cases, but generally I think marriage is gonna be a safer place for sex than the alternative. Um, I experienced sex before marriage, and I gotta say, most of those memories are not great ones. The anxiety, the shame, confusion, risk, heartbreak, none of that was really worth it if I'm honest. Not saying that marriage magically protects you from that, but in my experience it offers more protection than the alternative. 
Part of the reason I'm such a strong advocate for marriage equality is because I believe in marriage. I believe in fidelity. I believe in commitment. I believe in love and mutuality. I believe in that promise made in the sight of God and these witnesses, right? A community, a family, a church that will come alongside a couple and support them in their love and in their lives. That's the ideal scripture holds up, albeit imperfectly at times. That's why we're instructed over and over again to avoid adultery and honor that commitment because the Bible, for the most part, is emphasizing what we're supposed to do not just what's off limits. Be faithful to your spouse. That's the second big theme. We tracking so far? Okay. Third and final theme I want to highlight is that sex is a gift that's meant to be enjoyed. Remember that line uh, from our reading a few minutes ago about being intoxicated by love? It's kind of beautiful poetry, enjoying your partner, enjoying each other. The Bible does not treat sex as a taboo. Uh, Proverbs wasn't written by Puritans. Sex is not something that is dirty or shameful. It's something, biblically speaking, that God created as a gift, as a way for two people to connect and enjoy each other. And the Bible celebrates that, doesn't condemn it. There is a danger here of a certain patriarchal reading of these kind of passages, these passages that celebrate sex. I've heard horror stories from women at churches where they were told that it was their duty to fulfill every last sexual desire and fantasy of their husband based on these kind of verses. Let me just say that that is not what this text is saying, and that is not a healthy or a Christian sexual ethic. To be enjoyable, there has to be mutuality in the bedroom. There has to be respect. There has to be consent. Sex is a two-way exchange. If you're ever put in a situation where you feel coerced or pressured, if you're made to feel uncomfortable by your partner, run away from that situation as quickly as you can. That is not love. It's not God's design for sex no matter what a pastor tells you. Sex in the context of a loving, committed marriage should be a source of joy and connection. You should be intoxicated by love. I love that imagery. That's the ideal Proverbs holds up. Anything short of that is just not worth the time. Before we close, I do want to say, um, I want to acknowledge, I think it's really important, especially in this conversation, that sex is not for everyone. Um, not every loving, romantic relationship needs sex. There are asexual people. Um, there are widowed people. There are people for whom sex is not an option physically. Uh, there are those of us who are called to singleness and celibacy. Uh, if that's you, I want to make sure you leave here knowing that you are seen, that you are valued, and that you can still enjoy the gift of intimacy and connection without sex having to be part of the equation. Whether that looks like friendships, partnerships, asexual romantic relationships, whatever form that takes for you, all this wisdom about fidelity to our partners, uh, about choosing a partner wisely, about loving wisely, all of that still applies. 
Intimacy is a gift from God. Maybe that's how we could put it. Love is a gift from God. The ability to enter into a relationship and give ourselves to another person, all of that is a gift from a God who loves us and wants us to flourish. That's what Proverbs has to say about love. Love wisely. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of love. We thank you for the gift of relationships, romance, sexuality, being able to connect with another person on such a deep and vulnerable level. God, help us to be wise when it comes to relationships. Help us to make wise decisions. Help us to honor our partner and to reap the benefits of a relationship that is grounded on love and respect. We lift up anyone in this room who is carrying trauma, shame, baggage from past relationships, regret, heartbreak. God, heal our broken hearts. Restore our bodies. Surround us with love and care. And Lord, help us to connect with people who will love us like you do. We ask for all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.